You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It is the APC podcast from AcmePackingCompany.com and SB Nation talking Green Bay Packers all off season long post draft debrief whatever you want to call it I am Zach Rapport at Zach Rapport on Twitter follow the show at the APC pod and uh, I am joined by uh, two trusty cohorts here firstly uh, I was gonna instinctively say out in New York but where are you Ben Foldy where are you I am in I'm in New York you are in New York still in New York um, I'm also joined by um, the guy who keeps responding to my DMs for some reason is Justice Mosqueda. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great, and I will be continuing to respond to your DMs. <laughs> Can't get enough. Of them, we'll so. see. We'll see. We'll see about that. Um, all right, guys. I don't know. Let's just get into it. I think um, four big things first uh, happened this weekend. Um, firstly, I, I did want to shout out um, our trusty pal, um, Alex Patakis did his cycle for survival ride this weekend. So he told me that that was um, awesome to be at MetLife Stadium. He told me that it was a really uplifting experience. So I really quickly wanted to thank everyone again who donated. Um, again, all that money went to uh, rare cancer research with Memorial Sloan Kettering. Um, and yeah, so I wanted to say thanks to everyone for donating. Number two, uh, I got an Instant Pot this weekend. It rules. I felt like that was newsworthy. Um, and then three and four is, of course, uh, the Aaron Rodgers drama and the NFL draft happened. Um, I tweeted out that we were going to do a pod, and, and someone said, please don't talk about Aaron Rodgers. I'm sick of it. I just want to learn about draft picks, and 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 I hear you. There's, there's more than one of you out there. You're going to have to fast forward a couple minutes um, because both Jake Kumaro and Jerry Krause are trending on Twitter right now, so it's like we have to <laughs> feel like we have to keep talking about this. Just skip ahead. You really want to talk about, you know, a fifth round, fifth round guard prospects? We'll get there. Don't worry. Yeah, we will. <laughs> we will get there. Uh, ben, you talked a little bit on Friday about um, about your feelings. Uh, new stuff has come out, but I don't feel like anything has changed. So I wanted to give uh, I wanted to give justice the floor first in talking about this Aaron Rodgers drama and just sort of like get a gut check for how you feel, where you're at, whose side you're on, all that stuff. Gut check. I think. He's serious about retiring. I understand he feels like he's been mismanaged during his career. And that's basically about it. I mean, that's kind of the nuts and bolts of, of the situation right now. Like, I think the Packers, first first and foremost, I think the Packers operate differently than any other franchise. They're the only franchise who's had to beg their future Hall of Fame quarterback to continue playing for him, um, you know, over the last 20 years. Um, they're the only team that's like really trying to push out quarterbacks with first round picks. Um, they're the only team that basically pulls contract offers when you don't sign them. 
Um, look at free agents, right? Casey Hayward, Micah Hyde, uh, Corey Lindsley just said this, that, you know, they gave us an offer. We didn't sign it. When we hit free agency, they didn't even give us an offer to drive up, you know, free agency price. That's just not what they do. They kind of view it as a us versus them. And when you turn down an opportunity and don't do what they want you to do financially, you become a them. You know what I mean? Then you just become like enemies of the state. And I kind of think that if they're in a position where they're saying, all right, we have to completely change our, the way we approach title runs, right? Because that's kind of what Aaron Rodgers is asking, right? Where he's saying, I want to be Tampa. I want to be New England. I want to be New Orleans. I want to be Pittsburgh. Let's use this future money and try to open up this window, this championship window, and really try to go win this thing. And that's just not how they operate. They operate like their worst year and their best year. They're going to have the same process. You know what I mean? So I think when Rodgers gets put into conflict with kind of how their worldview of how to build a team, their answer is going to be, okay, then retire. We're not going to trade you. Okay, then retire. Yeah. And then what does Rodgers do from there? He seems like a person who would hold a grudge to the point where he actually would, you know? So I'm in agreement with, Everything you said, I guess what I'm curious about is, is Rogers is a smart guy, right? And I don't understand what he looks around in the league and thinks would give him a better shot. Like, I don't, I don't see the free agent piece that puts them over the top over Tampa Bay last year. Like, I, I'm not sure what more he could ask for than two straight NFC championship appearances. Um, you know, it wasn't a lack of free agents that, that cost them that game. I don't think. Um, maybe maybe a lack of aggressiveness in picking up a second quarterback, but that's it. Like, that's the only I, thing. I, I think, think it's more of the competitiveness thing, right? Like, if you gave Tampa's front office the uh-huh. Packers roster right now, they would redo Devontae's contract. They'd redo Zedarius's contract. They'd redo Bakhtiari's contract. They'd redo Rodgers' contract. They'd find the cap space, right? They do the things that some of these other programs are doing where they're stealing money from 2022 already mm-hmm. in fake years so that they can fit guys under their salary cap in 2021. You know what I mean? Like it's a mindset of we're going to do what we need to do to compete right now. And then there's going to be a tough rebuild after that. Where mm-hmm. I think guys like Gutekunst are looking at this and he's saying, this is my forever job. I'm trying to keep this job for 20 years, yeah. right? I'm not trying to win a title in the next two years. I want to keep this job for 20 years. And it becomes a thing where it's like, as a fan, do you want to see that? Do you, do you want to see, yeah, okay, let's say Gutekunst trades Rodgers. Rodgers wins a ring somewhere else. Jordan Love doesn't totally work out. He doesn't win a ring for the Packers. Does he deserve to keep his job, right? Because everyone else is playing for rings. That's that's where the NFL is right now, where a lot of teams are seeing this as a binary. I won a ring or I did not win a ring, right? Yeah. And it does yeah. not seem like the Packers are kind of playing the same game. And that's that's where you see the issues. And that's where you see, you know, Jordan Love even being drafted in the first round becomes a conversation, right? Or it's, it, it might not be directly like we were missing free agent X and we didn't sign him. It's more of like a mindset thing where it's like, does this team actually want to win a ring in 2021 at any cost? Yeah, and there are other teams who would, right? Yeah. But I think that's what he's seeing. The difference is, yeah. Well, you're. You, I don't want to like sidetrack us. You are talking about the way the Packers approach things and the way that other teams approach things, and and maybe I'm 
an idiot and not remembering correctly, you said that the Packers are basically the only team that that approaches it this way with their quarterback. Um, so either of you can please refresh my memory on this. How did Peyton Manning end up in Denver winning a championship? And it, it, was there any animosity? That I just like I honestly don't remember, but like it wasn't. I'm sure it wasn't like 100% amicable. Okay, I'm just going to go over here and win and win a championship. Are the Packers really the only team that happens on? Well, I mean, if you're Indianapolis, Peyton was getting surgeries and yeah. Europe and stuff that that's you couldn't fair. even get done in the United States, and then they ended up with Andrew Luck, right? Yeah, that that's kind of a different situation. So I don't know, man. <laughs> it's a real, it's a real, it's a real tough situation, and you know the way Rodgers is built, I think he would give the middle finger to the Packers to say, "I'm yeah. retiring. I'm going to do Jeopardy." The yeah. thing that becomes the wrench if Rodgers wants revenge. This is what this is his game plan. I agree with that 100%. I just want to put a stop to any notion that Rodgers will be the long-term Jeopardy host. Like I watch <laughs> a lot of Jeopardy, a lot a lot of Jeopardy. He will not be the long-term Jeopardy host no matter what he wants. It's going to be That's, a I'm calling that here. I if there I don't know if there's if uh, Justice is there a line for that at the moment? <laughs> not that I'm aware of because I would put money would on that. A, what would become an interesting situation? Let's say Jeopardy says all right, you're good enough to get ratings right now. There's going to be a quarterback drama. Everyone's going to be tuning in on Jeopardy to see what Aaron Rodgers says, right? Yeah. We'll give you a year. Aaron Rodgers does Jeopardy for a year. The Packers tell him, hey, come back. We're not going to trade you or you can retire. Rodgers takes the retirement. says, okay, I'm going to do Jeopardy for a year. Yeah. The Packers go through the entire 2022 offseason trying to rebuild their team, thinking, all right, what, is, what do we look like when Jordan Love is our quarterback? June 1st, 2021, and Rogers says, I'm unretiring. You now have to pay me back my signing bonus that I paid that I paid you back to retire. And you have to figure out how to account for $25 million of uh, you know, a cap situation immediately on the first year of a rebuild after you pulled the rug out from under. Right. Mm-hmm. That that's the situation where if the pa- if Aaron Rodgers does have leverage, it's leverage that he can unretire at any point you have to honor his contract you have to deal right? with it yeah exactly so if he has any leverage it's that because outside of that he has no leverage it's funny thinking about all this i don't know why this didn't hit me before but I, i've been trying to think of like a real analog right and and you know brady and and uh and peyton and they come up but when i actually think about it the, the real analog here is Ken Dryden holding out from the Montreal Canadiens in the mid-1970s, taking the season off, going and finishing his law degree at McGill, and then having... It's like the one year in the late 70s where the Canadians don't win the Stanley Cup, and then they sign him back next year, and they're like, fine, 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 we actually do need you. Um, but I also, like, I don't see, I don't see that... I don't, I don't see that happening in this situation, even if Rogers takes a year off and gets his law degree or... No, he's, Jeopardy he's, he's or too old he to keep believing. You know, is yeah. Mark Murphy still there? Is Lafleur still there? Is Gutekun still there? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. is he going to trust that administration when he thinks you know? For seventeen years, I've been mismanaged, right? Yeah, because that, that that part should also not be lost. That part should yeah. not be lost. He believes he's mismanaged. When we're talking about the teams that he could land to, San Francisco, their general manager was on television before he became the general manager. Yeah. The Raiders, their general manager was on television 
before before he became the general manager. Denver, their general manager has never been the general manager for a NFL football game. Not one. It's not like he's saying, send me to Belichick. Send me to yeah. Pete Carroll. He's saying, send me yeah. anywhere but here. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And yet it's, and I tweeted this out a couple days ago, but like you think about Rodgers going somewhere like, um, to the Raiders, which uh, uh, reportedly he expressed some interest in. And I just feel like Rogers plus Gruden equals, um, I just think that's going to work for about 15 minutes. I don't know. <laughs> like, where does he think he's going to go? That's going to be awesome. It, it, and maybe he doesn't have any delusions of that. And it's just anywhere, but here, like you said, I think San Francisco makes zero sense just because of their cap or not their cap, but their uh, pick situation. They just don't have future picks. They use them to trade yeah. up for Lance. Um, so I think it's really Denver or the Raiders when you're talking about it. And the best piece that they could get back, more valuable than any single draft pick, right, would be Derek Carr. Derek Carr is the most valuable piece you could get back out of those two teams. So I think I understand Denver makes more sense, like, fit-wise, just because, like, you would think Denver's more motivated to get Aaron Rodgers because they have the, the gap at quarterback, right. Is bigger than, yeah. than the Raiders. But when you're looking at it from a Packers perspective, I think you have to look at it and say, Derek Carr, three first round picks. If it's not that I'm not even entertaining this. Well, that would certainly answer the question of like, you've got love and who else? I mean, they just, they, they did all their um, UDFAs right after the draft. None of them were quarterbacks. Not to say that they won't they have two quarterbacks add on someone, the roster, but two. Yeah. Two. So if Jordan Love gets hurt in the practice right now, Aaron Rodgers doesn't show up. Devontae Adams is throwing balls. You know what I mean? There's literally not enough. Get Randall Cobb back in the building. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So I think so, they got something up quarterback wise. I mean, we'll see. I mean, what yeah. if the Packers brought in Kaepernick or something like that? Like that, that would be crazy. I mean, if please, you let's let's have please let's do go that. circus. Let's go full blown circus. Maximum chaos. I love it. Let's do it. Elmo standing in front of flames or whatever that gif is. <laughs> that's like what, well, Zach, that's what Zach you brought for. this up earlier today. And, and Justice, I think you just kind of touched on this, but like, you know, Rogers supposedly in, in group chat comparing him to Jerry Krause. Like, Zach brought this up earlier. He's like, Jerry Krause, there's five rings to complain about. <laughs> if, if, you're, if, you're calling, if you're complaining about somebody being Jerry Krause, I'm like, Rodgers hasn't quite earned that, that level. Right. Of- it's like, okay, you're Jordan in that scenario. And I get that football is a harder sport or it's a team. It's more of a team sport, but at the same time, it's like, I don't like, <laughs> they all got rings, man. Yeah. It's also a team sport. It's know. a team sport where running backs don't matter. <laughs> well, you have to look at Rogers perspective compared to everyone else. When you're looking at in, in the off season and you're like, wait, why did the Steelers just give Ben Roethlisberger that? And it's because you, everyone is bowing down to quarterbacks right now, yeah. right? Jerry Jones yeah. is taking interviews next to Dak Prescott after Dak Prescott signs the extension. And he's like, yeah, he ran my pocket, my pockets dry. He beat me yeah. in a stare down that included one year and Dak getting hurt. And I still paid him, you know, when the bullets were live. And the Packers yeah. are the one team that's not doing it. You know what I mean? The, the Tom Brady situation was totally different than this, right? The, the Patriots had basically exhausted as much cap space as they possibly could to keep that window open. And it was just like, all right, we can't just keep doing this. It's time. Right. It's almost like the yeah. saints 2021 season, right? That's kind of the situation they're in. 
Um, yeah. So that's totally different than the Packers situation. And then again, Peyton, I mean, he was hurt and all sorts of stuff. I, I, I don't know yeah. if there's a one-to-one comparison for this Rogers situation, including the Favre thing. Because Favre, at the end of his career, you guys know, I mean, everyone wants to remember him as, you know, three-time MVP in the 90s. But that last decade of his career, he had a lot of good defenses. He was throwing a lot of picks, and he was hurting the Packers in pretty big moments. That's not where Rodgers is right now. He's coming off of an MVP back-to-back Super Bowl, or a back-to-back NFC Championship games. And Aaron Rodgers fell to the 24th pick in a different CBA when you had to negotiate with quarterbacks and say, this yeah. is what I'm going to pay you before you even turn in the pick. It wasn't slated like it is now which is one reason why Rodgers fell down the board. When we're talking about Rodgers and Love, and they were roughly picked around the same time, they were different level of prospects, and the CBA changed the circumstances for those, right? No one was saying on draft day, Jordan Love might go number one. Oh, wow, he's falling down the draft board, right? That's what we, that was what the conversation was with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Hmm, that's an interesting angle that I actually haven't heard discussed before. Uh, well... I don't, I don't know. Do we, do we leave it? Do we talk about draft? What we... <laughs> we can, <laughs> well, we can we... talk about the draft. We can do it. I don't know. I just, uh, it's just a mess. It was always, uh, and Ben, I texted you the, uh, this today, but it was, it was always going to be a mess. It was always going to end in a mess. I just, you know, like Ben, like you said last week, I just wanted that mess to be like, you know, next year, two years. I thought I had more time. thought we had like a hospice period where you could like sit at their bedside, but nope, it's just get the rug pulled from out, from under you. And uh, every quarterback thinks they're going to go out like Elway and not one before or after has gone out like Elway. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the most, the, the craziest thing to me is just like what Rogers had to had to live through and how much he prides himself on mindfulness. And now it's just like, it's all happening again, man. History just doomed to repeat itself. And I don't know. <laughs> Let's talk draft. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to move on and uh, I'm going to take a note of the minute mark. So I guess I can tweet at the three people who this is what they would rather, rather talk about. And justice, this is why uh, you are really here. Let's talk draft. The Packers made uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight picks. Although, I don't know, you say, Justice, the draft is only four rounds long. So I guess they only made four picks. But we're just going to go one by one and and see if we can't learn something. And we'll start at the top round one, pick 29. Um, I think for the first time, uh, Goot stands pat uh, with his first round position. Didn't move around at all. He selects Eric Stokes, cornerback from Georgia. Six feet, 194 pounds. What do we think? Justice, you like this guy? Um, he's very fast, and it shows up on tape. And I was pretty happy that it shows up on tape because some of those guys are just track athletes, right? Mm. I mean, he's running chest to chest, chest to back with a lot of these wide receivers. Long guy. He's not really quick, um, which I guess would probably be his biggest negative as like man coverage guy, not being, not being a quick guy. I think he's an outside corner um, in the Packers scheme. With the change with Joe Barry, if they're going to run with the with the Rams ran, I would expect Jair playing in the slot a whole lot more with this personnel um, than he ever has. I, I know he's usually left corner. I think he's probably going to be in the slot, and they're going to have Stokes and King on the outside. That's the best way to win with these guys and that the structure of that defense. So that's just kind of my mindset. Um, I think he's probably a little bit better than Kevin King. Um, he's going to be healthy a whole lot more, hopefully. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at with him. I think he's yeah, he's the king replacement. I mean, it's not a surprise. 
um, similar frame, similar build, similar production. That's kind of who he is. Ben, if I recall correctly, uh, you have felt overwhelmed after the first couple days of the draft. You said overwhelmed or underwhelmed? Or, or underwhelmed, sorry. Yeah, well, the Stokes pick didn't really do it for me just because it seemed it seemed like another one of those drafts where the Packers... I always hesitate to like get too deep into this from the outside, but there are a bunch of picks sometimes where you're just like, was anybody talking about that dude, or did they just decide they had to draft him at that point? And Stokes... I don't think Stokes is like as off the reservation as uh you know Deguera was last year or something like that but I do think it, it does seem like a bit of a reach um and I know that the excuse year after year after year now is becoming like well the board wasn't shaping up the way they wanted and you know there wasn't this player and there wasn't this player and they tried to put trade up and then blah 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 blah, blah. but I, I I have similar vibes to the to the that kind of set the tone for the draft for me to think that it was similar to last season, uh, last season's draft, which is again, also a really tough draft to evaluate just given that they picked a bunch of people who played almost zero role on the team last season. But uh, yeah, I, I, I thought it was an underwhelming start at least. And I don't, I don't have a problem with Stokes. I guess, I mean, the thing that when, when I hear fast, bad hands, grabby and routes, I think Ahmed Carroll, I don't think it's going to be quite that level of a disaster of a pick. Um, but I don't, I don't see kind of a game breaker talent there either, which you're traumatized. Cause you've seen that draft profile before. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I just like, I don't, I think it's a fine pick. I, I just don't think it's a great pick, but you know, I'm, I'm obviously like prognosticating something that can't be determined for another two or three years. Hopefully, unless we know that it's bad right away. That's my favorite boring post-draft t- uh, take that I do every year. Well, talk to me in three years. <laughs> yeah. Then we'll then we'll grade this draft class. But I mean, I think there is there is a legitimate question of why the Packers seem to routinely go high on guys that they want, and I don't necessarily have a problem with that. But I don't. We don't have a long enough track record to see that they are good at doing that. Yet. This this current this current group is good at doing that. I want to come back to that a, a exact point after we talk about a, a few more of these picks, Ben. And I got I'll put a pin in it. I made a note. Um, let's move on to uh, round two, pick sixty-two. Josh Myers, a center guard, offensive lineman from Ohio State. Justice, what do we know about this guy besides he's six foot five and three hundred and ten pounds? <laughs> yeah, pretty big for a center, right? Um, I think yeah, he's going to be able to swing. I mean. This is very much a Packers pick, right? Where, hey, we have scheme versatility. We're going to take a bunch of offensive linemen. We're going to have them compete. And then our best five, we're going to figure out a way how to get them on the field. Um, I'm pretty happy with the pick. I think they needed to address the offensive line pretty early. I think, you know, for as much credit as Green Bay gets for putting a good offensive line around uh, Aaron Rodgers, they needed bodies coming into this draft in a way that we probably haven't seen since, like, when Jeff Saturday – was it was coming in to start format center. Um, this was a deep center class. This was a deep tackle class. So I'm happy they got one of them. Um, I, I think this is a pretty good pick. I mean, I'm more optimistic about this one be out, out playing the draft slot than the Stokes pick. I think Stokes is probably going to be the second corner opposite of Jair Alexander. He's going to be okay. Like, and if you're taking that 29th, I mean, pretty safe, um, pretty low upside, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, round three, pick eighty-five is Amari Rogers from from Clemson. A uh, why a wide receiver? Wait a second. 
Am yeah. I am I reading that right? Did we draft a wide receiver? <laughs> That's right. Um, I think Rodgers, I know a lot of people want to compare him to Ty Montgomery because of what he can do with ball in hand. People talk about running back wide receiver stuff. Um, I think he's going to play the Tyler Irvin role. Yeah. And I think I think if he's in the Tyler Irvin role, Lazard gets phased out because you have to keep MVS on the field as a vertical stretch. And if Amari Rodgers is going to be your lateral stretch, that works perfectly fine. But you also have to field the tight end. And then Devontae Adams is on the field and you have to field the running back. So where does that put Lazard? And with Lazard's contract situation, I wouldn't be surprised if you see the Packers say, hey, MBS, you know, your your talent, which is, you know, you can run really fast downfield, is more valuable to us than Lazard's. Than being, a- being able to catch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and speaking of the Tyler Irvin role, I mean, he has um, some return ability too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if, if he did punts or kickoffs, honestly. Mm-hmm. He's he's pretty big for a small dude. Like he's, he's kind of built for a small dude. Yeah, yeah he's five nine. He's two hundred and twelve pounds. He's like little, like short. I think Goot said he's short, but he's not small. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and he's young. Yeah, twenty one. He's gonna be twenty one at the start of the season. Big Packers. Ben loves it. <laughs> yeah. I, so it, the funny thing is, like, there's a bunch of reasons why Rogers. I think Rogers seems to be the pick that everybody's coming away from this kind of like the happiest about. I think there's you know obviously the um, you know, the draft of wide receiver crowd has been, you know, salivating for years and there's that playing a role. And I think also, you know, people don't usually know how to evaluate offensive line prospects very well, including myself. Um, Rogers doesn't really do it for me. And I, I'm, I keep trying to figure out why. I mean, I think really it's just that I put a really big premium on, um, college production and Rogers doesn't have that much of it to speak of. And so I'm ready to be corrected and ready to be kind of proven wrong. Um, I think there were better options uh, in the draft generally. Um, but, you know, I guess if this is, if this like, but I, you know, I was excited about Equinemius. So what do I know? But I, I will say one thing with Rogers, I would be pretty surprised if the Packers re-sign him to a second contract. Amari Rodgers. Yeah. Just because, do you guys remember how, I think Randall Cobb hit free agency, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, Randall Cobb hit free agency. Those kind of slot guys, like, they're not really trying to overpay for them, you know? So uh, I feel like this is almost like a window pick, which is weird if you don't get Aaron Rodgers back because you just spend a third-round pick on a wide receiver you're probably not going to break the bank for when, you know, it comes contract time next time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, and, uh, not 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 to be twice shy on the St. Brown family, but like I'm on Ross St. Brown is actually who I would have preferred in that slot. <laughs> <laughs> well, Goot said that uh, of Amari Rogers, that he's the kind of piece that um, that the offense has really needed. And Ben, this is where I'm gonna I'm gonna pull that pin and get back to something that you were you were talking about earlier. But um, just as far as like the way the board sort of shook out. I was struck by listening to Goot in in one of his uh, post draft day pressers. Um, I thought he said something like, "They really wanted Myers and they really wanted Rogers, Josh Myers and, and Amari Rogers. They wanted those two guys. They were thrilled to get them." And to me, that just kind of stuck out as like, "Are you drafting need best player available, or like, di- or did you just have your guys that you wanted to get?" So I was almost a little. Uh, I don't know, befuddled by that. Weird. Yeah, I know. I mean, he, he definitely didn't, didn't the, I want my guy 
Ted, you don't get it. I want my guy. And it's like, that's great. What if, if your guy is the Guerra, maybe somebody should say like WTF. <laughs> like, I don't get it. <laughs> and it, I mean, again, it's, it's like nothing against the Guerra. It's just like, and it's super weird because it's like last season was such a cluster that there's no real way to evaluate, you know, prospects that we haven't seen in live game action. But I don't see a lot of evidence that they've been particularly good at evaluating tight ends in the draft in the last couple of years. And, you know, these are kind of like weird gadget pieces that seem to get, you know, highly conceptual offensive coaches excited. But I think there's also a need to kind of get traditional football players playing traditional roles that they do well. And I worry about that a little. Yeah. Let's move on. Round four, the last round of the draft. <laughs> uh, pick 142. Royce Newman, tackle, guard, offensive lineman from Mississippi. He's also apparently 6'5 and 310 pounds, which I think was the exact same stat as Josh Myers. I uh, thought that was funny. But um, let me tell you, if we're, if we're just grading on hair game alone, this is a steal in the draft. What hair? Great hair. So I, I didn't watch him, but the next pick to Daryl Slayton is a real interesting watch. I, I watched all the front seven guys for Bleacher Report. So I knew all these defensive players coming into the draft, even through, you know, day three and undrafted free agency, frankly. To Daryl Sutton played at American Heritage, the high school that got like six guys drafted in this past draft. So he was viewed as like a blue chip uh, guard prospect. He went to the U.S. All-American game as our U.S. Army All-American game as a guard. People thought he was going to go to, like, Michigan or something and, you know, be a first-round pick at some point, right? He couldn't crack American Heritage High School's defensive line for three years. His senior year, he finally cracked into to the D-line and had, like, five tackles. He went to Florida because they were the one school that would allow him to play on the defensive side. And then he took five years at Florida before he developed into a starter. So I almost wonder if Slayton is like, I understand he's a nose tackle. He's a big guy. He hasn't played a lot of football, especially defensively, frankly. And he was viewed as this like highly coveted offensive line prospect. I'm almost wondering if he's a guy who could convert to the offensive line. Cause that's about as convincing of a convert resume, right? As you, as you can see. Yeah. Uh, did you, uh, did you actually watch, watch his tape? I know last time we had you on, you said you were knee deep in uh, day three prospects watching a lot of, I believe you said, frankly, bad football players. <laughs> Was he one of them? So Slayton has, he's a big guy. He is a massive guy. Six right? four, 330 pounds. Exactly. So when I say, hey, there's flashes with him, but there's inconsistency. He's had weight issues. He was suspended at one point from Florida. Um, not really surprising, right? For a guy that big. Um, but there, there is something there um, in terms of play strength, in terms of his ex- explosive ability at that size. There's something there. Um, the question is, is he more valuable as Kenny Clark's backup or is he more valuable if he converts to guard at some point? You know? Yeah. And can he do both? You know, numbers are all goofy now in the NFL. He can just they can give him a number somewhere in the middle. He can play both sides. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what's the next pick on this list? Oh, round five, uh, uh, Shamar John Charles. Am I saying that right? So, I assume so, but I haven't <laughs> seen him either. Um, cause he's a defensive back, but everything. So, okay. 
the perspective on this pick, people are coming away and saying he's a nickel, right? But what do we do if Jair is the nickel? Because Jalen Ramsey played the nickel for the Rams. Like, that nickel position is really important. Like, if you watch Alabama, Minka Fitzpatrick was a guy who plays the nickel. You know what I mean? It's not outside cornerbacks are more valuable than a slot corner in terms of, like, in Madden, right? In Madden, when you rank your cornerbacks, that third cornerback is the guy who plays in the slot. In At major college football and now in the NFL, that's not how it works out. Those slot guys are their best players. So I wonder how that shakes out if Jair does end up moving inside. Yeah, he is also, um, uh, maybe I'm remembering it correctly. He has returnability too, does he not? And you, you might be thinking of, of Kylan. Yeah, you know, you're right. Yeah, I'm thinking of... Uh, Skipping ahead to round seven, Kylan Hill running back, Mississippi State, 5'10", 214 pounds. Exciting stuff. <laughs> he's, he's good. He's actually he's, he's he's, not to not to skip to the like the, the fun part, but he's my favorite pick in the draft. Well, I was gonna say, you know, if if ever there was a, a position where you could take a flyer on someone in the seventh round and they would end up being someone uh who could play a fun role on your team, it's it's gotta be like it's gotta be running back, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he he's a real running back. He kind of got messed up playing in that Leech offense. I mean, Leech legitimately runs the actual like old school air raid. We run ten plays type of offense in the SEC. Before then, he was first time All SEC. Um, people were actually kind of surprised last year, frankly, that he went back to school. There were a lot of weird guys like that at the running back position. Him, uh, Chuba Hubbard, who I think also got hurt in the process. You know, he probably should have come out last year. And then uh, Travis Etienne, who did himself a huge favor because he showed people that he could play above 200 pounds, right? Um, but Kylan Hill probably hurt himself by coming back, but I still think he's you know, a quality player. And he's basically the reason why uh, the state of Mississippi has a new flag now, which is you know, not a small story, um, which is kind of cool. Yeah, Ben, you shared that story with me, I believe. Yeah, I mean, I think that's cool. I, I like... I- I, I like what I know of him as a person. It's weird that, that McGinn and, and the athletic had all this weird, like we took out the parts where people said weird shit about his personality. I don't know if anybody else saw that. Um, I'm always a little skeptical of the dog whistle scouting reports. Yeah. Um, but what's intriguing to me about Kylan Hill is, you know, his, his last, this 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 last year's rushing numbers are completely unimpressive, but his recept- his receiving numbers are just insane. Yeah, because again, that that Mississippi State offense, I mean, true air raid. They're they're trying to go five man protection, so you're going out in routes. And if he has the hands for that, I mean, he's a totally reasonable candidate to step in for um, Aaron Jones if Aaron Jones goes down. Yeah, I think the combination between um, him and AJ Dillon off the bench is really cool. I, yeah. I, I think the Packers, I think this pick makes a lot of sense just off of, hey, we only have to roster three running backs now, right? We don't have to play games with that fourth spot. We can free up a roster spot for a developmental offensive lineman or something like that that you need to keep on your 53-man roster. On game days, we don't need to have four running backs active because all three of those guys, I feel like, could play three downs if you really needed them to. So if Aaron, if Aaron Jones gets hurt, you can get out of a game with just two guys on your active roster at that, you know, 46 or whatever. Yeah. So sorry, I pulled, I pulled up these numbers. Kylan Hill had 23 receptions in three games uh, this last season at, for, at an average of 10.3 yards 
per reception. I mean, like hands like that, sign him up. He can put up a thousand yards the season before. It's everything I want in a in a round seven running back <laughs> prospect. So Jordan Love, just check it down. Check it down. It's over. Buddy. <laughs> security blanket. Get this guy a security blanket. Uh, well, that was that was round seven. We skipped ahead a little bit. Um, Justice, I, I want to go back to round six. Isaiah McDuffie, linebacker, Boston College, uh, because you had mentioned uh, we sort of ended last time with what's the one thing you want. You said linebacker. I, I'm assuming you meant uh, not this player and before the sixth round. Yeah, I think there were still guys available like in the third, fourth round, somewhere around there that could have been starting caliber uh, linebackers. Um, Obviously, uh, damn, what's his name? Dylan Moses, the linebacker from Alabama who fell out because of medicals. Obviously, that was somewhat of a surprise. Um, McDuffie is kind of like, I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of plays like like Joe Thomas type of role Hmm. for the Packers. at linebacker, he's very fast for his size, but he also is a smaller player. Um, When you watch him on film, He's like he's a short strider, right? So like his speed functionally in space is very different than when you're asking him to run in a straight line, like you are, you know, with a 40 yard dash time. He's taking very small steps, which means he's taking a lot of steps to change direction. Um, so I think his play speed is probably a little bit slower. But if you're gonna use him on special teams and he's gonna be a guy on kickoff, he's gonna be, you know, maybe a protection guy on punt who then tracks down the field. You know, there might be some value in that. But outside of that, I would probably guess, you know, he's probably going to be a coverage linebacker in like dime looks or something like that. But with this Packers roster, you never know, man. Amen. UDFAs uh, get playing time at linebacker for the Packers all the time. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets on the field. I just don't know if it's a good idea. Uh, The forever neglected position. Um, The only other guy we skipped over again in round six was Cole Van Lannan. tackle guard from wisconsin which i think a lot of packers fans are excited about justice is this someone that you watched or know anything about so i didn't watch him and brandon thorne who uh did the bleacher report write-ups we wrote up like 350 guys or something like that he didn't even write them up so i i don't know really who he is um but i did think it's interesting just to talk about numbers right and how weird this year is the packers have two quarterbacks under contract one that might not want to play for him and they just got two Wisconsin offensive linemen. There's as many Wisconsin offensive linemen as quarterbacks on the Packers roster right now. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just so odd. Like legitimately, like if they, when, when they start practice, if Rogers is not there, they cannot hold the practice right now because they do not have enough quarterbacks to throw the ball around and have a functional practice. Yeah. Like they have to be up to something at the quarterback position. They have to bring someone else in. Yeah. Usually teams bring in four quarterbacks, for, for camp and you know they're one of the last cuts um because you need that many arms to throw that many balls in a day but i just don't know what they're doing man yeah i don't know i mean you got two one of them uh, uh, you know if 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 twitter is to be believed right now is is maybe not coming back i don't know i just i'm usually operate under the assumption that the team knows stuff that, that we don't know but i don't know at this point with Murphy, the big Irish goofball, and everybody there. I'm just, I'm a little bewildered. <laughs> I don't know what they're well, doing. Here, here's a question for each of you that I'd like to get. The, I'd like to get a genuine answer from this. If, if I were Aaron Rodgers and I came to you guys and you guys were Mark Murphy, right? And I said, I believe the mindset of this franchise is not conducive 
to winning a ring in the next two years. And that's all I care about. What is your pitch to make me stay? Hmm. Yes, it is. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all they can do. I mean, you could visit him in California as many times as you want. But if you can't convince him that your, your plan is going to get him a ring on the yeah. way out, that's what he wants. He wants Elway. Yeah. He wants the Elway ending. He wants the Tom Brady ending. Yeah. And if you can't convince him that, then what, what can you do? Ben is visible. But I mean, I guess, I guess what, do you, what, do, what, what do you think convinces him of that that is within the realm of the possible, the way that the team is constructed? I don't mean in terms of like organizational culture. I just mean in terms of like what pieces are already in place and what pieces could be added to that. Restructure Devante, restructure Bakhtiari, restructure Zedarius for the maximum amount of cap space that you possibly can have in this three-year window, mm-hmm. two-year window maybe. And Trey Jordan Love. I think that's the only way that you can convince him and sell him and say, look, we're actually trying to do what we need to do. And then immediately extend, you know, Jair. Do you think trading Jordan Love yields anything at this point? I mean, it's... I, I think so. I mean, if so, if someone is someone at your job... No, I don't mean from Rodgers. I mean, I mean from the other, from the rest of the league. Like, do you get anything for yeah, your first round Yeah, what's the value, pick? yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Josh Josh Rosen and guys like that bombed out, and then they still ended up netting a second round pick. I would figure we're talking about a future pick in a draft class that is not very deep at what at quarterback next year. I know a lot of people are pumping up Sam Howell. Hey, man, if you didn't if you didn't like what you saw in Mac Jones this year, you're not going to like what you see in Sam Howell. That's not who he is. Spencer Radler is probably closest to Drew Locke coming out, and then Liberty has a Auburn transfer in Malik Wills who is probably going to be a first round pick. But outside of that, there's no quarterbacks to even have a conversation about. So I think, you know, Jordan Love might actually might be a better quarterback prospect than what we have coming out in the draft this next year. So I, I, I think I could see a team trading a second plus something else for him. I don't think it would be a first round pick just because first round picks could be the first overall pick, right? I mean, there's some danger in trading future first round picks, but yeah. I think it could net you a second plus something else. But again, I don't think the draft picks matter that much because Rogers' mindset is two years, two years, two years, two years, two years. Yeah. He just wants to win one and ride off into the sunset. That's like his dream, I think. I'm telling you, that that Elway Super Bowl run at the end like was narcotics for these quarterbacks. Every <laughs> single person yeah. wants it. And he's the only dude who's been able to do it. And they're all just very jealous. I mean they're great at what they do and they just convince themselves, you know, they're highly competitive and they're like, I'm going to go off in the sunset. And then it just damn near never happens. I mean, yeah. I guess you could argue it happened for Peyton, but Peyton limped to that Super Bowl. I mean, Brock Osweiler was holding him up. Yeah. Yeah. That's not really a Peyton man. <laughs> like Super Bowl. Yeah. That's like a defense and he's just back there. Chucking it five ten was a little painful to watch, actually. If I remember, that was brutal to watch. <laughs> it was tough. I still contend <sighs> going into the playoffs. Brock Osweiler was a better was a better quarterback than Peyton Manning that year. I understand Peyton won, but I still think Brock was a better quarterback that year, and they should have probably let him play in the playoffs. I think that's fair. You know, in my heart of hearts, I always knew that we would end this show talking about Brock Osweiler. That's just, <laughs> that's just how we do here. I don't <laughs> feel like we should, uh, feel like we you gotta should give the people like what they want. Yeah. Yeah. Hot Osweiler takes. 
Brock talk. Brock talk. Talking Brock, Brock tent. God, I'm just, all right, we're done. We're done. That's the show. <laughs> I think that's it. Um, Justice, I want to thank you for stopping by, bestowing some uh, draft knowledge on us, talking to little Aaron Rodgers. Um, ben, it's always a pleasure to see your face. Always a pleasure to see yours. Keep it locked into acmepackingcompany.com all off season long for um, whatever the hell is going to happen next. Um, I'm furiously checking Twitter every 30 seconds. It's not good for my mental state, but uh, I'm sure you guys are doing the same thing. We are there for you and with you. The whole Summer time. of doom scrolling, baby. Summer, Summer of, of doom, doom scrolling. scrolling. Nightmare. Oh my God. Just wake up every morning, open the rectangle of death and just get to scrolling. All right. <laughs> Go Packers. And raise your spirits to Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.